Hey everybody, sorry for the uh, lateness of this recording. Uh, we drove through the night to Atlanta, Georgia, and here I am at my sister's house, which is quite awesome and lovely. Uh, and I really have to thank God and uh, Hurricane Dorian because we usually go to my sister's for uh, Sukkis, and this year we're not going to be able to do that. So this turned out really, really well. Um, and all of you who are still down in Miami, I hope that uh, you are safe. In fact, I, I feel quite confident that you will be. Uh, and I hope that you don't lose power. And that if you do, you don't lose it for too long. And that if you do, that you have a very well-stocked whiskey cabinet. And if you don't, then please give me a call and I will give you the code to my house. And you are more than welcome to... Uh, Hop over there and rock and roll. So this week's parsha is Parshas Re'eh. Um, Re'eh means to see. See, I present before you today a blessing and a curse. Well, uh, how, how do you? What, what does a blessing look like? Precisely, uh, is it tall? <laughs> what does it look like? What do, What does a blessing and a curse look like? That's a strange thing. Uh, if you look at the if you look at the way that the, that the Pasuk is conjugated, it's also very strange because Re'eh is singular, whereas Lifneichem is plural. So when it says Re'eh anochino sen Lifneichem, who are you talking to? Re'eh is you singular see that I put before you plural today. That's very odd. Okay. And the Pasukim continue, Es the blessing, that you shall listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem your God, that I command you to do today. And the curse, if you do not listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem your God, and you go astray from the way that I command you today, other gods, foreign gods, you uh, you get the drill, right? We've, we've been here before, which of course, is one of the questions that this kind of begs. Why are you telling me this again? But uh, you'll notice there's a there's an asymmetry between the way that the pasuk laid out the blessing and the curse. If you look carefully, you'll see that it says es the blessing asher that you shall listen to the commandments of Hashem your God. and the curse im lo If you do not listen, well, you see that's not aligned. That's not symmetrical. It should have said, Habracha, es habracha, im tishmu. Just like it says, Vehaklala, im lo tishmu. Why would you, why would you use asher tishmu for the, for the blessing and im lo tishmu for the curse? Why wouldn't you use a uniform language and just say, im tishmu or im lo tishmu? That's what you should, should say. In fact, you, you, you even see this from last week, right? Because last week in Parshas Akev, there's, uh, Akev, um, there's and then there's what happens if you're not Tishmu. So there's Akev Tishmu'un and there's Akev Lo Tishmu'un. Right? So the, the, the language is aligned and steady and that's what you would expect. And yet here it's not. So that's also rather strange. Um, the Pasuk continues, And it will be when Hashem your God brings you to the place which you will be inheriting. You shall place the blessing on Har Grizim and you shall place the curse on Har Eval. Um, tell me something. Uh, how much room is 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 Har Grizim large enough to hold the blessing? Have you have you wondered? Is Har Grizim large enough and tall enough to hold the blessing? How much room does a blessing take up? What I'm getting at is, 
What do you mean put the blessing on the mountain? How do you put a blessing on a mountain? You can't put a blessing on a mountain. You could put a flower on a mountain. You could put a cake on a mountain. You could put boots on a mountain. But you cannot put a blessing on a mountain. It's very strange. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi anticipates this problem. And he says, and he says, where am I? Ah, he goes with the, he opts to follow the Targum, the translation of Unkelis, who says, Yasmevarchaya. Yasmevarchaya does not mean the blessing, it means the blessers. I.e., as we know from Parshas Kisavo, there are going to be uh, six tribes on this one. Um, and, <coughs> pardon me. And six tribes on the other one. So when it says put the blessing and the curse on the mountains, it means put the blessers and the cursers on the mountain. Yasmin Varchaya. The Ramban goes crazy on Rashi and he says, "Uh, excuse me, it cannot mean that. It, It cannot mean that. How do you know it can't mean that? Because the Torah has not yet told you that there are any blessers or any cursers. The first time the Torah hints, it doesn't hint, I mean it says it explicitly, but the first time that it says it explicitly is the first time that it says it at all. The fact that there are going to be people standing on each mountain does not come up until Parsis Kisavo. So how could it be when it tells you in the beginning of Re'eh, not, you know, after Re'eh, you're going to have Shoftim, and after Shoftim, you're going to have Kisesei, and after Kisesei, you're going to have Kisavo, and midway through Kisavo, the Torah is going to tell you that there are going to be six tribes on this one and six tribes on that one. So when it's, when it's saying here that you put the blessing and you put the curse, it can't mean you put the blessers on the cursors because it hasn't told you yet that there are any blessers or cursors. So that also is, I think, a very, very large and rather pimply problem. Um... And it, it, gives, it gives way to the larger problem, I think. Uh, perhaps less technical, but, but larger thematic problem, which is you're not going to tell me what the blessings or what the curse is or who's doing it until Parshas Kisava. Why would you open up Parshas Re'eh telling me about the blessings and curses that you're going to do on Hargrizim and Har'evil the moment that you cross the Yardain and then totally forget about it for three and a half partios. Like, that's crazy. What are you doing? Why don't you tell me here? That's bizarre also. Now, the Pasuk continues, for those of you who are following me on Pasuk Lamed, um, as you know, I, I really hate doing this in a room by myself. It's weird because I can't, I can't see the faces, so I have no idea if what I'm saying is making any sense to anybody other than me. But... <laughs> This is what it is. So, the next passage, Are they not on the other side of the Jordan, after a ways where the sun sets in the land of the Canaanim who live in the plain, across from Gilgal, next to Elone More? <laughs> I love this sentence. This is one of my favorite sentences in the book. Listen to this. You're telling me it will be, right, Moshe's talking to the people, this is his big magnum opus, and he's like, okay, guys, and it will be when you cross over the Jordan River at that massive climactic moment, you're going to put the blessing on Hargrizim and the curse on Harevel. Aren't they right over there? First of all, are they not? Uh, I don't know, are they? <laughs> what do you mean, are they not? Are they not there? Like, yeah, they're there. I mean, they're there. They're mountains. In fact, I was there. I was there last year. It was amazing. It was amazing. My friends, the, uh, the Marcus Shamers, Isaac and Evelyn Marcus Shamer, were, were kind enough to take me with them on a tour of Shechem and, and some of the surrounding areas. It was, it was magnificent, and I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, not to mention, by the way, just, just this is not a paid advertisement, but there's a Tura winery there, which will, will 
blow your mind and rock your world and they have incredible olive oil also and and i thoroughly recommend it but in any event i've been there i've seen it like yeah it's there so what do you mean hollow hema are they not just say they're there like i know they're there and then of course the bigger problem is why are you giving me directions why are you giving me directions here's what i mean by that i don't mean that moshe should not have given yoshua directions obviously moshe had to give him the ways you gotta know where you're going but you don't have to tell us just say har grizim har Eval. And like, you know, tell him how to get there. Why do you have to write the directions in the Torah? That's so weird. And furthermore, have you, have you heard, have you been listening to this verse of direction? These are the, the, the worst, most verbose, clunky directions you've ever heard in your life. Are they not? I'm going to read this for you in the, in the English. Are they not on the other side of the Jordan, far in the direction of the sunset, in the land of the Canaanite that dwells in the plain, far from Gilgal, near the plain of Moreh? Well... If you know where the plain of Moret is, you know what you could have just said? Could have just said, Eitzel Elonei Moret. <laughs> and you'd be done. Why do, you, why do you feel compelled to tell me all the other things if I know the last thing? You don't have to give me 15 other data points. Just say it's next to Elonei Moret and I'm good. So that's weird. It's like really, really weird. Why are you giving me directions at all? And why are you giving me such clunky directions? So strange. <sighs> okay, I, I think I think I want to deal with, with some of these questions now um, before we go on in the Parsha, only because I don't know at what point I'm going to have to go. Because as soon as Yael gets back from food shopping with my sister... This little arrangement is probably going to end. So uh, let, let's take care of some of these issues. Um, the first pasuk, if you recall, we said, what, what do you mean, see a blessing and a curse? And furthermore, why would you change the tense? Why would you change the tense from the singular to the plural, from re'eh to lifnechem? So I, th- I would suggest, I would suggest that coming on the heels, ha, ha, look at that, that was Freudian. Coming on the heels of Parsha's Akev, you will no doubt recall last week, that we explained that Akev means not that you're going to do good things and therefore God will reward you and give you good things and not that if you do bad things, God will punish you and do bad things to you, but rather that the world operates with physics and physics do not take into account anything other than their own rules. They don't care what your intentions were. They don't care if you plead ignorance of the law. They don't care if you're tall or short or rich or poor or white or black. They don't care. Physics doesn't care. If you jump off the building, it doesn't matter how tall, beautiful, or rich you are. You're going to go splat. Well, guess what? As we discussed, and again, we're not going to belabor this point because you can go back and re-listen to that video, um, the, the audio. We're talking about societal physics, the invisible hand of society. The blessing and the curse is a direct physical result. That's why we use the term akev as opposed to im. It is a direct result of your actions. Your input is always going to result in the output. So if that is the case, then when Moshe finishes telling them about Parsha's akev, he looks them in the face and says, see, see, you must see. What does see mean? See the blessing, see the curse. Like we said before, blessings and curses are not, they're not tangible, visible things. But that's, when we say see, what we mean is perception and clarity. So Moshe turns to the people and he says, guys, see, I put before you today, there's only two ways, man. There's this way and there's that way. 
There is a blessing and there is a curse. Punto. Period. Full stop. Nikuda. That's it. There is no neutral. You're going up, you're going down. You're going to the blessing, you're going to the curse. You're going to the right, you're going to the left. You're going to Griezmann, you're going to Avil. That's it. See it. The C is intensely personal. It's intensely individual. Every single individual has to see it. Because the fact that, the fact that a society can see something, if I personally don't see it and I just accept it as gospel because of something that you or someone else told me, how long does that last? Not very bloody long. You have to see it. It has to be clear to you. If you want people to act a certain way, they have to see. So Moshe says, see, I place before you, plural. The see is singular for the personal experience. The before you is plural. Why does the tense shift? Huh. Oh, could it be any more obvious? The blessing and the curse, if you think that you can do everything that you need to do and live on an island and not be affected by the guy to your right and the guy to your left, you're wrong. Dangerously, dangerously wrong. The seeing is personal, but what I'm putting before you is national. I'm putting before you collectively a blessing and a curse. And each one of you has to see that all of you are going to have input in this society. And whether or not you are going to have an excellent neighborhood is not limited to how often you mow your lawn or whether or not your windows happen to be broken. If the guy across the street has shootouts in the street, it's going to affect your property value. Not to mention that you can't play in the front yard. I don't think we need to bring examples to this idea. I think it's self-evident. That's the difference between the tenses, and that's why it says re'e. Now, if that's the case, then it answers the second question. The second question that we asked was, what do you mean put the blessing on this and put the curse on that? And we said that because due to the, due to the difficulty of this question, Rashi went with the Targum and said that we're not actually talking about putting the blessing or putting the curse on the mountain, but rather we're talking about putting the blessers and the cursers, which of course, as we explained, is a, is a difficult thing to understand because of the Ramban's question, fine. But according to the way that we're understanding this now, I don't think it's a question. I don't think it's a question. If we say seeing the blessing and the curse, obviously does not mean seeing something tangible, but rather it means perceiving a reality with utter clarity. Seeing that which, you know, like the American founding fathers held these truths to be self-evident. What does that mean? What do you mean? The point is self-evident. It's self-evident. It's an obvious point. I see it. It's true to me. It's obvious to me. It's right in front of my face. Well, that means if you can see that, if you can see that, now take that idea and put it on a mountain. What do you mean put it on a mountain? It doesn't take up any space. Yeah, but you can't see it either, right? When we say see it, we mean perceive something with clarity. Now take that idea, take that idea that you hold with utter clarity and stick it on a mountain. What do you mean stick the idea on a mountain? In a flag? No. Conceptually, you're not putting anything physical on the mountain. Take this idea and manifest it clearly on this mountain. And take this idea and manifest it clearly on that mountain. How are you going to manifest these ideas? Guess what? The Torah is not telling you until Parshish Kisavo. But that's not the point. It's not difficult to understand once you have the term re'e to understand what Vinosato Sabracha or Vinosato Saklala means. It means the same thing. Take the concept that you see clearly and put it here. Manifest it here. How will you do that? With blessers and cursors and certain ideas. And again, we will deal with that guy willing in three weeks. That's what it means. Um, in, terms of, in, terms of why, in terms of why the Torah is waiting 
to tell you about the actual Mavarchaya, the actual who goes where and why, until Parshas Kisavo, that Bezrat Hashem we will deal with in Kisavo. But what I will say, what I will say, is that we have seen this before, haven't we? Haven't we? The most obvious, I think, the best, the paradigmatic example for this concept of parenthetical Parshios is, um, is Shmini, Tazria, Mitzora, and Achremos. Because if you recall, all the way back in Sefer Vayikra, in, in Bayom HaShmini, well, Shmini Lemiluim, they inaugurated the Mishkan, and not even a who died. So not even a who actually die in the beginning of Parsha Shmini, and then you have Tazria, and then you have Mitzora, and then you have Parsha Zachremos. What's Zachremos? Zachremos Shnei B'nei Aharon B'Karvason L'Thnei Hashem V'Yamusu. Hashem said to Moshe after the two sons of Aaron died. The two sons of Aaron died three weeks ago. What are you talking about? That means that, that 90% of Parshat Shmini, the entirety of Tazri, and the entirety of Mitzorah are parenthetical to the deaths of Nadav and Avihu. Which is why it tells you something, halts, pauses, says other things, which kind of get zipped or folded into the understanding, and then it continues it where it left off. It's doing that here as well. The fact that it introduces the concept of the, of the brachos and klalos on hargrizim and harevel, and then summarily and abruptly f- doesn't say anything about it, it just totally stops and talks about other things for three and a half weeks before picking up in Parshat Kisavo, that means that all of the things that it's going to say in between are parenthetical to the idea of the brachos and the klalos, and you should read them as such. Hopefully it will begin to emerge out of the... Uh, <laughs> out of the sum total of all of those different concepts that are in between, but that's how you should be reading these, um, these psukim. Now, the next possible we said, Are they not? Are they? Oh, oh, oh I forgot, I forgot. <laughs> I, I want to prove to you, I would like to prove to you the idea that, that you're taking the blessing and you're literally putting the concept of the blessing on the mountain, like I'm saying. I want to prove this to you. I mean, the, the truth is, it's not, it's not really a proof. I want to support what I'm saying. I like to support it. There is a fascinating and somewhat crazy-sounding Gemara Yerushalmi in, in Maseches Sota that brings down a, a, a memra of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says that Hargrizim and Harevel are actually not mountains. What do the Jews do? Well, they just took a bunch of dirt and they piled it up on the other side of the Jordan River, and they call this pile of dirt Hargrizim, and they call that pile of dirt Har-Evil. Rabbi Eliezer says that. Like, seriously, he says that. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's a <laughs> Yerushalmi and Sota. Look it up. It's crazy. It's crazy. You're telling me that Har-Grizim and Har-Evil are two piles of sand that the Jews <laughs> crossed the river and then just, like, took, a, took out some shovels on the beach, made a sandcastle, and called one Grizim and one Evil? Like I said before, I've been to Har-Grizim and Har-Evil. They're real places. Like, I'm not making this up. So what, what's really the are talking about? Obviously, what he's saying is, Hargrizim and Harevel, yes, of course, they're places, of course, but that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is conceptual. So just like you're taking the bracha and you want to illustrate it firmly in a way that will be perceived by all, and we're doing this by using two specific mountains, one called Grizim and one called Aval. Therefore, says Rabbi Eliezer, you know, you really could have done it with two piles of dirt because the mountains are not what matters. The concept is what matters. It's not like Avel and Grisim are holy. The Samaritans think they're holy. They're not holy. They're not holy. They have no Kedusha, Har Grisim, and Har Evil. You can go have soccer games on them if you want. They're not holy. They were just there to make a point. 
which again we will discuss Bezrat Hashem in Parshki Savo in more depth what the point is that is being made. But the Re'eh that we're saying has to be so clearly perceived and placed somewhere so that everyone can look at it, well then you can just do that with two piles of rocks or two piles of sand. And that's what Rabbi Eliezer is saying. And that's why what he's, what he's saying in, in, in Masech Sot and Yerushalmi isn't crazy. That's the point that he's making. So back to the, 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 <laughs> this, this, this directions pasuk, right? Are they not? On the other side of the, of the Jordan River. Um, for the way that the sun sets, in the land of the Kenani who dwells in the plain, across from the Gilgal, next to Elone More. Wow. We said that's it. We asked two questions on this, right? And of course, the first question is going to answer the second question, I believe. Um, the first question is what do you mean, Halohema, are they not? Like, they are, so just say they are. Uh, and secondly, why, why are you. Why are you telling me all of these directions? Just give me the last one. Oh, and I, I forgot. We also asked, why would you give me the directions at all? Um, the Torah doesn't need to list those directions. Only Yehoshua needs to know them. So the first question of Halohema is going to answer all the other questions. Because Halohema, are they not? What does are they not? What does are they not implying? The words are they not means you already know. That's what are they not means, right? Is this, am I not your grandfather? Am I not your best friend? Is this not purple? Means you know it's purple and you know I'm your grandfather and you know I'm your best friend, right? Like, obviously. I don't know how many of you have purple grandfathers who are your best friend. But anyway, um, if Barney the dinosaur's grandson happens to come to... So, that means, well, if they already know, then why, why are you giving them directions if they already know? How can you say in the same, in, in two sides of your mouth, right? You're saying, hello, Hema, are they not? Because you already know. And then you're giving me all the directions of the thing that I ostensibly already know. Because they're not directions. Of course they're not directions, silly goose. It's an explanation. It's an explanation as to why you're going to Har Grisim and Har Evil specifically. So therefore the Pusik. So therefore, oh wow, Shira, that's a really cool axe. Just I'm I'm doing some learning now. Okay, Buba, could you do that in the other room? And don't hurt anybody with that because that looks really dangerous. Okay. Um Oh yeah. Wow. Be very, very careful. Okay. So again, it says you, when you cross the Yardane, you'll take this bracha that you see very clearly and you'll manifest it on her grisim, and you'll take this klala that you see very clearly and you will manifest it on her evil. Are they not? May Eva Har Yardane? Are they not there? Meaning, meaning, the reason that you're putting it there specifically, the reason that you're doing it there specifically has to do with the geography of the place and what has already occurred there and what is going to occur there in the future. That's why you're doing it there. It's not giving you the latitudinal and longitudinal coordinates. So allow me to help you with some of this because I'm not, I'm not totally sure what all of it means, but... Let's just go with this. Halohema me'ever hayarden. Are they not on the other side of the Jordan? Well, well, if you want to know how many times and with how much significance the Torah says the words ever hayarden, I suggest you look back to the end of Parshas Masay, and I suggest you go all the way back to Parshas Lech Lecha. And goodness gracious, there are a hundred, there are a hundred thousand examples of this. Me'ever hayarden means the sea shift, the sea shift. From Chutz La'aretz into Eretz Yisrael. This is why God tells Moshe, Vishama lo ta'avor. 
You will not pass over. You can't pass over. He tells Moshe several times in that exact language. You can't go over this Jordan. This is the boundary. Are they not on the other side of the boundary? In the land of the Canaanim who dwell in the plain, across from Gilgal near, near Elone Moray. Now take Gilgal out for a moment. Because I'll deal with that in a second. Let's talk about Eretz HaKnani HaYoshev Ba'arova Eitzel Elonei Moreh. Guys, guys, we, we have been stressing, and especially last week in Parsis Akev, how you're not going into Eretz Yisrael because you're so good, right? Don't say, Don't say that. I'm Kishay Orefata. You're garbage. You're awful. You're terrible. You've been from the day I met you. You've been terrible. Okay, so then why are you going in? Oh, because Hashem loves your fathers. Gosh Baruch made a shvua to your fathers because He loves your fathers. Rak Hashak. Only in your fathers God wanted. He loved them so much. But one second, who's the first one that God promises the land to? It was a guy named Abe. It was a guy named Avraham. Let's go back to Parsha Slechlecha. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. Let's rewind 500. That's awesome, Shira. Let's rewind 500 years. Kosh Baruch Hu says to Avraham, Get out. Get out of Iraq. Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz. Vayavor. Halohema me'ever. Vayavor. Avraham crossed over. That's why he's known as Avraham Ha'ivri. Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz Ad Mekom Shechem Ad Elon Moreh. Where is the first place that Avram went when he crossed into the land? That's right, you guessed it, folks. Elon Moreh. Look at our Pasuk. Eitzel Elone Moreh. You know what the end of the Pasuk is by Avraham? Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz Ad Mekom Shechem Ad Elon Moreh. Vahakna'ani Az Ba'aretz. And the Canaanite was then in the land. What does it say in our Pasuk? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? We are recapturing a moment. We are reliving and re-experiencing a moment from 500 years earlier when our progenitor, and when I say progenitor, I don't mean ancestor. I mean paradigm. Avraham, the one who embodied all of our unzipped potential in one person. When he crossed over the Jordan, this is where he went first. That's where you go first. You are repeating the process that he did in order to acquire the land. I think it's so beautiful in Hebrew how, and again, this is, this is not, uh, I don't think that what I'm about to tell you right now is, is pshat. I just think it's interesting when it says, you're going to come into the land, virishtem osha, vishavtem ba. And each one is a mapic hay. Now, I'm not, I'm not that much of a grammarian um, in Hebrew or in English, uh, but my understanding is that a more accurate translation uh, would, n- would not be to say you are crossing into the land and you will it's dwell within it and you will inherit it. No, that's the, the <laughs> I don't think that means that. I think it means her. Virishtem osah vishavtem ba which means you will inherit her and you will dwell in her. Now, what's the difference between saying her and it? That's a major difference, right? That's a major difference. I mean, you're talking about relationship here. You're talking about relationship. 
and and if you want, so so the truth is, if I was if I was with you now in person, I would I would go a little bit more deeply into this, but it just it's weird. It's weird. I can't I can't have this conversation with myself. Um, but I think that it's a lot more deep than just you know dirt, earth. Eretz Yisrael is a her, not an it. There's a relationship, and we are reclaiming the relationship that began with Avraham Avinu. And that's why we are going through these motions. And that's why the first day, the Gemara says, the Gemara in Sota says, that the first day that the Jews cross into, uh, into the land of Eretz Yisrael, uh, Eretz Canaan, I guess, um, they have to go all the way to Hargrizim and Harevel. The Gemara says it's more than like 60 miles. Like it's a really long walk. Why? Like wh- why do you have to do that the first day? Why can't you cross over, you know, take a vacation, have a siesta, make a mangal, play some matkot, like, you know, it's July 4th, like, relax. Where are you running? We have, we have 14 years to conquer these people. Like, like who, who, what's the rush? No, 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 no. It's got to be the first act you do when you cross. It's a part of the crossing. Don't you see? It's a part of the crossing. The manifestation of crossing into Eretz Yisrael requires that your first stop be a lone moreh. Why? Because that was Avraham's first stop. That's why. By the way, I, I think it's probably not... I think it's probably not coincidental. This is just, it's interesting. I don't, again, I don't know this to be true, but, but it, it seems like it might be. Um, in fact, it seems likely. <laughs> it says that uh, right, after, right after it says, uh, that you're going to dwell in it. It says, by the way, by the way, you better destroy all of the places where the nations that were before you worshipped. Under the trees and on the hills and in the mountains, and blah, 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 right, wipe it out. I mean, the Torah is actually so, um, it's so specific, right? You shall smash, you shall uproot, rip out. It's like, it's great, right? It's, it's really, it's, it's specific. There's a lot of specificity on how you have to destroy the, um, the idolatry. But check this out. When Yaakov, when Yaakov and his sons um, wipe out the city of Shechem, What's Shechem? Elon Moreh. Remember, 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 remember? Vayavor Avram Ba'aretz Ad Mekom Shechem Ad Elon Moreh. Shechem is Elon Moreh. It's the same place. So Yaakov, ya- uh, Yaakov's son, Shimon, sons, Shimon and Levi, wipe out Shechem. And then Yaakov says to them, Hasiru es Elohei Hanichara Asher Besochechem Vehitaharu. Remove the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves. This is what he does right after the mice of Shechem. And I mean, even some of the Rishonim say, like, what, what are you talking about? Why would the sons of Yaakov have had, a, have had uh, idolatry? And the famous, famous, famous conventional answer, because they just wiped out Shechem. So now they, they inherited all those idols in the booty. What did they do with those idols? What did they do with that? It says that he buries them, Tachas Ha'Allah. <laughs> he buries them under the tree. What Allah? Elon, Elon Moray. Elon Moray, it's the same tree. It's the same tree in the same city. So you have Avram going there the, the first time he crosses into the land. You have Yaakov, you have Yaakov going there after he finishes up with Esav and then taking out the Elohei Nechar. So right here in our parsha it says after you after you go and do this on Hargrizim and Harevel, what's your first order of business? Remove all the idols. After you go to Shechem, remove all the idols. Fascinating. Again, probably not coincidental. Now, whew. man, this parsha is crazy. After it tells you that you're not allowed to destroy 
I'm sorry, after it tells you that you have to destroy all of the various, uh, all the various Avodah and Mekomos, the places, Asher Avdusham Hagoyim, the people that were before you, says, Lo sa'asum kein la Adonai Elohechem. Do not do thusly to Hashem your God. Ki imela makoma she'iv chara Hashem l'shaken sheba Hashem l'sichno shidrashu v'asashama. Rather to the place that Hashem will put his, uh, his, his, Shekhinah, his presence, there you will go. Lo sa'asum kein, don't do this to, to God, what? Don't rip out God's, uh, temples? Well, obviously you're not going to rip up the shuls like you do with the Avodah Zarah. So Rashi explains, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, don't, don't do what the nations, what the Canaanites did, in that everyone worshipped however he or she wanted. I.e., on every hilltop, on every mountain, under every beautiful tree, in the forest, in the National Arboretum, they would have shrines. Lo sa'asum Do not do thusly to Hashem your God. Do not do that. Rather, what should you do? One place. El HaMakom, to the place that Hashem will choose, there you will go. And there you will give your olos and your shlumim and your zvachim and your maestros and da 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 This parsha is chock full of references to Makom Asher Yivchar Hashem, the place which God will choose. And you know, you got to like, think to yourself, why doesn't it just say Yerushalayim and you're done with it? Why does it have to keep saying the place where God will choose, the place where God will choose, the place where, just choose it. I mean, hasn't, hasn't he already chosen it? I mean, between you and me, hasn't he already chosen it? Oh, no, he hasn't chosen it? I mean, where, where, did, Avraham, where did Avraham go up to sacrifice Yitzchak? Lech lecha el Eretz Hamoriah. Eretz Hamoriah? What's Eretz Hamoriah? Har Hamoriah. What's Har Hamoriah? Al-Aqsa. The Noble Sanctuary. The Temple Mount. Mount Zion. It's all the same mountain, right? We've all been there. Mount Moriah. The Temple Mount. Ki im el hamakom, the place that God will choose. He already did choose. He already did choose. In fact, not only did God already tell, not only did God already tell Avraham to sacrifice Yitzhak there. And by the way, tangentially, it's it 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 was the reason that Yitzhak had to be had to be put on the mizbeach there. The Rambam brings very, very cool. The Rambam being, brings in Hilchas Beis Abachira that the the makom of the mizbeach is mechuvan biyoser. I think that's his language over there, which means that the the the, the placement of the mizbeach is exceedingly particular, exceedingly perfect. So how do they know exactly where? To, I'm talking like 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 centimeters, right? Like the, the placement of the altar had to be just so. And it says like, like so then when they got back from, the, from uh, Babylonia, after the first temple had been destroyed and they were exiled for 70 years and then they had the whole Purim story and, and Cyrus Kurash, uh, Cyrus the Great of the Achaemenid Persian Empire sends the Jews back to Judea, how did they know exactly where to put them as Beach? And, and Chazal say that they saw, they saw the Efer of Yitzchak they saw the ashes of Yitzchak in that place. So, you know, that's the altar right there. I'm, by the way, I'm not, I'm not going to explain that at all. I just want to put that out there because it's awesome. Because it's awesome. Okay. But the point is, the place has already been chosen. The place has already been chosen. So, why do you say 15 times in our parsha, the place that God will choose? He's already chosen. Okay. So, I would like to, I would like to offer an idea. Um, this... This is, I think we came up with it last year. I think last year was, but now it's a little bit, it's a little bit sharper. It is as follows. It says, the first time that we really see 
um, something being called like the house of Hashem. The house of Hashem, to the best of my knowledge, the first time that you see something being called the house of Hashem is by Yaakov. It says that Yaakov leaves, um, he leaves Be'er and he goes to Haran, right? And, and he, he goes, he falls asleep. And he takes from the stones, and he right that that's the whole the whole story with the rocks, and 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 he has this dream, right? He has the dream with the ladder and the angels, and da, 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 da. and what does he say? How awesome is this place? This is nothing but the house of God, and this is the gate of the heavens. Well, what place do you think he was talking about? Har Hamaria. By the way, that that's I know that there are Rishonim who argue on that. I'm just. <laughs> Putting it out there, the way I understand it, in the simple, simple reading of the pasuk, Beis Elohim. This is the house of God. This is the house of God. But one second, one second. Let's back up just a tiny little bit. Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva and he goes to Charan. And he bumps into the place. And again, I know that I'm grammarizing you twice in one day, but you got to. You got to, you got to, because it matters. You will notice that Bam Makom, the Mem, has a dagesh in it. And Rashi, if I'm not very much mistaken, on the site says, Kimo Behamakom. When it says Bam Makom, it's not Bimakom in X place, but rather it means in the place, capital T, in the place. Behamakom, in the place. What's the place? What's the place? What do you mean the place? In a place, every place is a place. What's the place? Guys, there's only one place. There's only one the place. Haramoria is the place. That's what it's called in the Torah. It's called the place. The place so now read Parshas Vayetze again in your head Vayivka Behamakom he bumps into the place Vayikach Me'avne Hamakom and he takes and he takes the rocks from the place and goes to sleep and he wakes up and says Manora Hamakom Hazeh how awesome is the place this the place this is God's house but one minute, it's really not the first time, because let's go back to the Akedah. We said, God told him Haramoria, right? What does it say? What does it say? What does it say when Avraham is taking Yitzchak to be sacrificed, and he's going with Yishmael and Eliezer, and, they, and he says, it says, Bayom HaShalishi, um, Vayar, I think that's what it says, Vayar Es HaMakom it was on the third day. He lifts up his eyes and he sees, what does he see? The place. He sees the place. Because that's what it's called. It's called the place. Well, guess what? If you look through this week's Parsha, and I implore you to do so, you will see that without fail, when it says, there's always a dugish in the mem. Which means... That every time it's saying that, it's saying, Behamakom, in the place. Which means, so, so you're saying, why doesn't it say Yerushalayim? 
What are you talking about? It was, in, it was incredibly specific. The place. Hey, baby. The place. They're not joking. There's only one the place. Now, why, if that is the case, why would the Torah, why would the Torah be vague and write that God will choose? I think this is twofold. Number one, because the, there's, the Mishkan is going to be in places other than Har HaMoriah. Meaning, even though Har HaMoriah is the place, the place is double meaning. One meaning is the place, is in this specific place that I'm hinting to you at, that I always call the place. And secondly, it means generically, the place. Which place? Well, Shiloh, Nov, and Givon. Because the Mishkan is going to be in three different cities before Yerushalayim by fiat of God. Shiloh, Nov, and Givon. And therefore, it had to write it in a way that enables both of those things to come true. One is the ultimate, the place, and the other is the place that he will choose for a specific time, for a specific reason. Which leads me to the second answer, which I think is the more fundamentally true answer. The point is not where. The point is the choice of God. The point is, you shall take your olos and your shlamim and you will go to worship in the place that God chooses. It's not telling you God will choose a place. That's not the point. I, I, I hope I'm saying this. I hope I'm saying this clearly. The point is not, oh, hey, guys, God's going to choose a place. He's going to send you an email and you're going to take your carbonos there. That's not what it's saying. Just like when it was saying, it wasn't giving you directions. Here also it's not giving you directions. It's telling you the essential property of the idea. The idea is you will do your olos in the place that God chooses. That's the point. The point is that the olos will be done in the place that has been chosen by God and not by you. So why doesn't it tell you the place? Because it's not about the geography of the place. I'm not here to tell you that it, whether it's in Chicago or Bangalore. The point is that you have to know that it's in the place that God chooses as opposed to in the place that you choose. Because the whole, the whole discussion got started with destroy all the place. That's how the whole parsha begins over there. Don't do what they do everywhere they want, only in the place that God chooses. You will note, and with this I will end, you will note that the Rambam's halachos in the Mishnah Torah about the Mesa Mikdash are not called Hilchos Beis Hamikdash. What are they called? They're called Hilchos Beis Habechira, the house of the choice. Have an amazing Shabbos.